chip chip cheerio mate (laughs) what's up guys today on drugs and stuff we discuss the art of stacking peds after that we've got a bunch of listener questions dealing with the side effects of heavy body weight while you're in your off season will high dose growth hormone help you to grow muscle while you're cutting we talk a little bit about sub qtrt and a bunch more it's all happening right now here on drugs and stuff What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland and Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by True Nutrition. You can use our code ADVICES for some additional savings on awesome stuff like uh, Mountain Dogs Perry MD. It's a fantastic intra workout with highly brain cyclic dextrin. Everything's third party tested, high quality supplements. David, good day, sir. Scott, good day. You said that very proper. I can speak proper when I want to, you know. We just got a comment from Big T. Mm. I missed the dog snoring. I don't. Th- I wonder if everybody has seen a picture of Fuddy. I have a picture right here. Look at this beautiful face. See, that is the dog that you old made me kill. R.I.P. Fud. Yeah. Rest in peace, fat boy. He's a beautiful dog. <laughs> How old is he? Um, four and a half. I actually physically had to drag him out from under my desk and drag him out of the room today because he did not want to go because you, yes, you, the listeners yes. and watchers made me do that because you don't like him. Yeah. Well, How can you hate that face? Well, in in, in drugs and stuff uh, uh, news today, what we have planned is we have a bunch of listener questions from the previous episode. We have uh, the topic, which today, instead of doing a profile, we're going to talk about best steroid stacks and basically how to build a stack. Um, we got a lot of good feedback on the last episode, so I wanted to mention that, Dave, before we got started. Um, we got a lot of good stuff. In fact... One of my favorite comments. Let me see if I can find this one here. Is is somebody else doing this podcast then this week? We've got a lot of good stuff. <laughs> How about this one? I like this one. This is my favorite comment of the of the week here. Scott, you are making Dave look kind of small. Mm. It's the angle. I'm like, I just power into the camera a little bit. Mm. I like that. We got some good feedback, Dave. Good feedback this week. <laughs> what you also need to do is look at the portion of microphone, my professional microphone, yeah, courtesy of my protein, <laughs> to body mass to realize that actually Scott is only four microphones wide. Like if, yeah, proportionately, I would really be like down here. You're Dave, you're uh, a big guy. There's nobody arguing that. I think that our listeners, for some reason, just like to give you shit. Which oh, I don't mind that, actually. In fact, I enjoy it. I, I find it refreshing because I only give people shit that I like. So if I don't give people shit and I'm really nice to them, they want to be more worried than if I wasn't. Our, our listener who gave us the, the critical feedback uh, last week saying we should get along, he actually listened to the show or watched the show, and he appreciated he was surprised, first of all, that we actually addressed him, and and he appreciated our humor. I think he understands it now. Um, 
we're going to guidance. We are. We're going to couples guidance counseling at the moment. <laughs> it's a slow process, but we, we will. We promise we'll get there. Yes. Listen, if you guys have any questions here on the live feed, feel free to throw them in. We do have a bunch of questions from the YouTube, uh, but we were going to get started today talking about steroid stacks. You know, this is something I feel like it's changed over the years. As I came up, and what I still believe in is using testosterone as the base. I think that over time, like back in the day, you would use mostly test, it seemed, and then you'd add in less of something else. I feel like things have shifted. There was like the whole Z's movement of using like basically TRT test with a zillion grams of trend, as much trend as you can fit into your body. And I, th I think there's been a little bit of confusion. So I figured we could just talk today about uh, how we would look at building a stack. And first of all, I'll say, if you're watching this and you're new to steroids and you're actually considering using them, first of all, we don't condone any of that. But if you were considering it, you don't need to get complex. You don't need to put a bunch of stuff together. Realistically, for somebody that was new, just plain old testosterone would do a lot for you. I thought you said if you're watching this and you are nude. And you're nude. <laughs> Dave's nude from the waist down right now. I am. I'm sat here with my big hairy old bollocks hanging out all over the seat. And your weight, like I see half of your face right now. Do you realize? You can see what I see. There you are. Sorry, is that better? It is, oh, but you're all brilliant. fuzzy. You're all fuzzy. I don't know what you're doing. My camera says I'm fine, so it's obviously your end. You got to get a lock. I forgot. Sorry, yes. No, it, it's, it must just be a technical problem in the airwaves, Scott. I do apologize if I am fuzzy or breaking up. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the best internet connection in the world, having living out in the middle of bloody nowhere. And... Um, the two bean tins and the piece of string that we use to record this podcast on obviously aren't doing very well today. <laughs> I hear your concerns and I'm listening to you, Dave, and I understand your situation. Thank you, Scott. That is very kind and to take my unique perspective into play when considering the overall problem we are discussing. Very good, sir. Stacks. Ah, you ran out of something to say then. <laughs> I was just trying to get us back on track. Stacks. All right, stack. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so obviously you need to take some of this and some of that and mix it with a bit of that. Well, I mean, yeah, look, there's, traditionally you had the old two-to-one, didn't you? Uh, for, for most ratios, it was two tests to one decker, two tests to one trend or whatever. I mean, to be honest, in, in, in usage, trends are relatively new drug. It's only been popular, what, five, ten years tops? Really? Yeah, I don't think it's... Trend wasn't around in the 90s. Well, what about a Parabolin? Yeah, but it was, again, not in the sense that you see it now, if you know what I mean. I mean, your Parabolin was... Was it 67 or 76? I always get the numbers the wrong way around. 76. Mig, I, I'd never used uh, it, but... And you were taking that, you know, I mean, that was taken a couple of times a week, three times a week, and, and that was all you were on. Yeah. You didn't take any more, but it wasn't common. Yeah, back um, a decade ago, it was commonly gotten through the pellets. We'd get the... Finishes. Yeah, yeah, and we'd get the cartridges, and we'd get a little, what do you call it, paper clip, pop those pellets out. 
mix it all up, and then inject it into your muscle real safe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you say it like that, it really does sound mad, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, when building a stack, so the first thing is to know the compounds you're using. That in itself can be a little bit confusing, I'm afraid. But, you know, I, I am, again, uh, 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 Scott is a believer in a test base. I'm not, I'm not essentially saying that that test base needs to be high. Mm-hmm. But as testosterone and DHT are two primary androgens in our system uh, and, and do have an influence on a lot of our functions, I do feel you need to some degree at least make sure that that side of things is taken care of. Because obviously, as soon as you inject anabolics, your own natural production is going to start to decline and stop working. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I do think you need to take care of the basic functions of the androgens. So, you know, a baseline of test and, 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 and the fact that that test is going to convert to DHT. But I don't think that as we've learned more about the drugs and these interactions with the drugs, um, I mean, like, for argument's sake, prolactin with DECA, there's a huge amount of confusion around that. Um, and it's something that we still don't fully understand. Yeah. But, uh, and it is, I mean, do, we, do you want to get into that at the time? Because it's quite complex, but I'm happy to get into it if you want to. Yeah, I, I mean, let's not go too far. Because I think we want to just, I don't want to, I, I think some of this information is going to be, you know, per, we want to stay for basic understanding. Okay. Well, basic understanding, estrogen causes gyno. Most people, I think, are aware of that. Uh, estrogen can trigger prolactin elevation. It's not the only thing, but if you're keeping estrogen in decent control, then you're less likely to have prolactin issues. Yeah. Prolactin can cause gyno. Um, it, it's to do with the, the, how it affects the number of receptors within the breast tissue. So it increases estrogen and lowers androgen. DHT has a protective uh, nature against gyno, but there's a few other things that prolactin does as well. Um, but in essence, bottom line is takeaway. You get prolactin high enough, it can cause gyno. But it's a secondary action. It's still estrogen that's the main driving factor. So, you know, it doesn't really matter to a degree how high prolactin pushes the estrogen receptors within breast tissue if there's no estrogen to activate those receptors. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, one of the reasons behind the low test approach to both Tren and to DECA is the fact that um, lower estrogen means less likely to get gyno, less likely to have prolactin spikes. Yeah. Um, there was a move which seems to have died off as in popularity towards decoronally cycles. Um, a lot of people used to cite, I believe Robbie Robson was a fan of Decker on its own. Um, and I think the, the modern equivalent was very short blast of four weeks with four weeks off and, and using D-ball as well. Well, D-ball is a test base, so you're not really on decoronally. I found that most people that use decoronally cycles are starting to get into problems if their cycle extends continuously over 10 weeks. I could see that. Sort of sure. eight, eight to 10 weeks. And that's down to the fact that you're not, you're not producing DHT because mm. you have no test. So you do produce DHN, 
but it's a weaker substitute and doesn't trigger the same reactions in the same way. So you start to get issues because of low DHT. Not everybody. Some people like with everything in this, you know, some people tolerate things better than others. Um, but I, like I say, going back to it, I'd always make sure you have those bases covered when it comes to normal hormone procedures within the body. So testosterone is the base is something I would definitely mm. do. Um, now, I had gotten a question out of my Instagram, uh, ask me anything Q&A the other day. And he said, what would be the benefit of running EQ over just using more test? And my response to him, because I've tried this, the, the first cycles I had done were test only. And well, I done I had done D ball first by itself, and then I did you know small test cycles, test and D ball, and then I did test and Deca, and that really shut me down. I had a hard time recovering from that. So the next time I said, well, why? What instead of adding that Deca in, what if I just added more test? So instead of doing five hundred test and four hundred Deca, I did a thousand test, and guess what? I broke out so bad on that cycle. It I was already prone to acne, and then with that high level of test and I didn't have it under control, it was a lot more to manage. And I guess that what I would say is one of the benefits of stacking compounds is that you could, you could take a a compound like EQ, which is going to produce less side effects compared to testosterone in some ways. And if it works well for you, you may be able to push your total hormone levels up without dealing with just a lot more of one. I feel like the more you use of one thing, the more potential risks that you could get from that. So that was one thought. And the other thought is, I really do believe that there's a synergy, Dave, that I really do believe that with some compounds, you get a one plus one equals three effect, which would be stronger than just using more of one thing. What do you think of that? Uh, I do, but I don't think it's a chemical synergy. I don't think there's any interaction between the compounds. Okay. It's not like you take uh, hydrogen and oxygen and put them together and get H2O. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not that sort of thing. What I think it is, is the mechanisms at which these compounds operate that complement each other. Oops, Christmas oh. cabbage has gone for a fall. Um, <laughs> I didn't address Christmas cabbage on the show, by the way. Well, I know you Sorry. never do. You know, it's like you're all over footy, but you're, you're not for Christmas cabbage. And it's just like, what has Christmas cabbage done wrong that you hate him so much that you don't talk about him on the show? So he's now going to go there. So you have to look at him. Oh, God, here we go. And feel bad for not talking about Christmas cabbage. Anyway, um, I think so. certain actions in the sense of... Um, for argument's sake, EQ, red blood cell increase, better nutritional transit, that sort of thing. That's going to complement a lot of drugs because you're getting better nutrients coming through. Yeah. Um, and I think so. It's, it's sort of mechanisms like that, you know. So uh, we know DECA has an element of joint support. So you can run, if you run DECA with a drug that's primarily a strength compound, you're not going to get the joint issues based off the back of it. So you're probably going to get more out of your strength compound because you're going to be able to push harder without having the issues of the extra loading damaging joints. Yeah. So, so, so there's things like that that I think can complement each other well, but regards an actual physical chemical interaction where the compounds merge to create a better synergy or a better compound. No, not at all. Um, 
Um, I, one thing I wanted to counter, um, though I do agree that, that sometimes because you may have an intolerance at a high dose to a certain drug, you can get greater total androgenic compound levels by mixing. There is a point where that goes too far. Well, and so. you end up with well, you end up with so many so many compounds in a cycle. You don't know what's causing what. Oh, sure. So there's 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 a you know couple of compounds at a push three, but when you start seeing these stupidly over complex cycles where they're using four or five different compounds with ridiculously unnecessary timings and all this sort of shit, it's there's a lot to keeping it simple. Yeah. And there's a there's a lot to running a compound singularly, or running a compound with a compound you know. So for argument's sake, if yes. you're on test, you know you react on test at say 400 milligram or 500 mg. So you know when you add another compound in, what the reactions and changes are that could be associated with that compound. Absolutely. Uh, and then you wouldn't then look to add in another compound to establish your management for your second compound and that sort of thing. So, you know, if you establish a base of how your body reacts to, say, testosterone, you can then bring another compound in, see how your body reacts with that in the mix, take that out, put another compound. I'm not talking in one cycle either. I'm talking subsequent cycles. Right. And start to build the knowledge of how your body's reacting to each different compound the more you know about that, plus if you've done your book work beforehand and you know the basis of how these compounds react within the body and their mechanisms at play, then you can start building effective cycles around what you want. I think that's a huge point. I think that, and, and yeah, I think that's another reason to just start with testosterone as the base. That way hmm. you can see how you respond. And because you, you see it, you know, people think like, oh, I want to build this most effective stack. And they run test deck D ball, for instance, which is a classic bulking cycle. Mm -hmm. And then they start running into side effects, but they haven't had experience with any of these compounds. This is their first cycle. Now they don't know what's causing what. We can guess, you know, we can guess that, oh, this is probably the D ball due to how fast the side effects happened. Or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe this is DECA based off what the side effects are, but it, it gets a lot more complicated. I think you hit a very good point there, Dave. Add things in one cycle at a time. And that's that really is kind of stacking 101 right there. Yeah, and you do see it where guys have done a first cycle, typical standard 500 mega test a week, and then they've gone into the second cycle, and the second cycle is test, trend, Winnie, swapping to one of our at this point, a right. bit of EQ coming in at this point. It's like, whoa, 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 you know. There's a lot going on there. And, and this is the other thing, you know, build your stacks around what you're trying to achieve. You wouldn't generally put Winnie in an off-season stack. Yeah. Because of the, the potential for joint issues related to the lowering of progesterone. You know, in your off-season, that's when you're pushing your biggest poundages. That's when you're driving for more mass. Your weights are going to be up. So Winnie's not really your choice of oral. But at the same time, you wouldn't really look to D-ball running into a comp. Right. Because of its conversion to estrogen, and then you having to manage that and manage the potential water reaction you're going to get off the back of that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is about, but it all starts with knowledge. And you don't need to be super up on the compounds to be able to get your foot in the door when it comes to putting them together. You just need the basics. I agree. Does it aromatize? You know, does it have a negative effect or a positive effect on this, that, or the other? And then look at what you're trying to achieve. 
I think another factor too that we've we've kind of we haven't directly addressed it. I don't think here, but another thing to be aware of is the the different groups of steroids, being the testosterone and testosterone derivatives, the nandrolones and the DHTs, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think another another thing that you can do is put things together through those groups. Like, it, it almost kind of can become redundant if you're using, you know, multiple steroids, but you're picking everything from the same group. I would rather, I would rather draw from different groups. Like, if I were to run a cut cycle, for instance, and I were running Masteron, I, and I wanted to complement something with my tested master on, I might lean more toward, say, Tren versus Winstrel because it's going to give me a, a brand new, unique effect. It's not just more DHT. Yeah, uh, there, there is a, and I mean, there, there is a point where, <clears throat> I mean, you don't really ever saturate receptors, but there, there is a point where you can saturate your secondary systems in the sense that it just becomes overload. You know, you can you can only digest so much food. You can only eat so much food. You can only, so much food is only going to pass through your gut and into your bloodstream and into your muscle. And so there becomes a point where too much of, of one chemical can start to create problems in other mechanisms just because of the overall buildup of the side effects in that singular line. Yeah. So yeah, like your, your risk of hair loss might be more if you were to run some mm. three DHT compounds, possibly. Yeah. And at the same time, high aromatizing compounds, you're going to have more issues with blood pressure. There you go. Yeah. Or water, you know, so breaking the compounds up and being a bit sensible about not just what you want out of that compound in the sense of positives, but also looking at the negatives and, and, you don't, you know, if you've got this compound that's known to cause BP, and then you're going to go on this compound that's known to cause BP, and this compound, that's, then you're going to have problems with BP. So it's about balancing the negatives as well, so you're not putting all your eggs in one basket when it comes to that. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff, I think. We could probably do an entire hour just on this topic. But before we part it off to do any questions, uh, that, that we got from the, the live feed here and from the YouTube. Is there anything else that you think would be really important that we make sure we add? I feel like we did cover a good amount. I think the problem with stacks is that people are always tempted to go too far too fast. Sure. Um, this game is, is, is more of a marathon than a sprint. Um, you can put mass on quick and we have seen it in the pro ranks and we've seen it in the amateur ranks. It does happen, but it comes at a cost. Um, and you know, don't, don't be too hasty to get there. And in a sense of that, don't be too hasty to push stacks high because you think it's going to get you there faster. Yeah. Cause it's not. If, if you're coming off the back of relatively low dosing, so sub one gram and you suddenly decide that, you, you know, you've been using for a couple of years, right, I'm going to go to three gram. You'll probably get more out of a gram and a half or two than you would out of three because you're not in a position to utilize the way that all operates in both one within your knowledge of drugs themselves and two within where you are within your training. Yeah. So take your time. Don't rush with stacks. Don't make them, for fuck's sake, don't make them overcomplicated. Oh, God, yeah. Please. 
please, please. I have seen some ridiculous stacks, and it's just like, why? I used to do that. I'll why be honest. Ha- I'll be yeah, honest. Why have you got four different orals timed in and out in this stack? What what point? I found in my experience personally, in my experience with people that I work with, that keeping it simple gives you, at the end of the day, the same results. It gives it the same results. You save money in a lot of cases, and yes. you 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 don't take as much risk on your your health in some cases too. So, well, the the problem is as well when you're running, you know, six seven different compounds, and you get into a problem. It's like, well, if it, is it estrogen? Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll take this estrogen management. Oh, yeah, but is it care? Well, I'll take caber as well. Ah, oh, but is it? You know, and they end up throwing four or five different things at it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, though cable is commonly used to manage prolactin, it's not really a nice compound. There are some potential long-term big problems with cable because you're messing around with your dopamine systems here. Well, sure. Anytime you're adding more drugs, you're adding more complications. But listen, uh, and I think on, let, let, let's move on here because we do have a lot of no, stuff. No. Dave. We got a lot of questions. Do we? Uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of them that are popping up in the feed too. Hey, what's going on guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, truenutrition.com for making this all possible. Truenutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, truenutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. There was one I was really interested to start with because I felt like you have a really unique perspective, being that you have pushed to 415 pounds. You've seen a lot of uh, a lot of size. I'm trying to find it here because I actually have a screenshot of it. But basically, here it is. This guy's over 300 pounds. I'm not sure what his composition is, but he says that his sleep is shit. Can you? Can we give him some tips? I I wanted to start by asking Dave. You know, at your size, when you were pushing to your biggest, you had the most muscle. I can't imagine that you slept awesome. Um, I was tired a lot. Um, one thing about being that size is you are constantly wanting to go to sleep. Um, in fact, I was well known for when I had my gym to be asleep on the sofa and people used to come in, put the money on the side and go train. (laughs) And I just pick, wake up and collect the money. First thing, have you got sleep apnea? Is that why you sleep is shit? Um, second thing is you've got to look at your mattress when you are over 300 pound or above most standard mattresses aren't going to cut it you probably need a specialist mattress or at least one that's designed to take someone of that size and bulk yeah um sometimes it's just plain uncomfortable being that size and it's difficult to relax and get off because you are just that size but i definitely look at is sleep apnea a concern um if it is obviously get a cpap i'd then look at the quality of the the material i'm sleeping on the mattress the bed is it enough to support me is it supporting me correctly 
And you've also got to remember that the bigger you get, so for argument's sake, the wider your shoulders get, the more certain sleeping positions are just incredibly impractical. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I did have one thing I did have was a decent set of shoulders on me. My chest was absolutely abysmal. It looked like two spaniel ears, but. Um, and and I, I really, I think, to be honest, 365 to 380 was the point at which you could say I was still qualified as someone who looked like a bit like a bodybuilder. Once I went over that, it just tended to go to shit. But try sleeping on your side, the angles you're creating in your spine. And the support you're needing for your head because your head's so much more higher off the bed at this point because you are so much wider yeah. become a problem. Uh, so your physical dimensions can make sleeping difficult. Now, what I found was really helpful was I had um, a six-foot pillow. Really? Like one of those big body mm. pillows? Just a, just a straight, long six-foot pillow. Yeah. But I could I could stick it under my leg. I could stick my arm over it. Yeah. And therefore, I could actually get in a position where I was much better supported and I wasn't putting as much strain on my lower back or places like that just because of the differences between the size of me at that point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that surprisingly for something so inconspicuous, it, it was very helpful. Obviously, CPAP was as well. Um, and... Yeah. I asked him if he had a CPAP, if he had tried it. He said he has one. He's had difficulty sticking with it. So, I, and I've seen that happen in my own life that I, like I'll go through phases of wanting to pull the mask off in the night. I think he just needs to keep practicing with it. Uh, yeah, I, I think CPAP is unfortunately, it can be difficult. Uh, I, I think getting the right mask for you and making sure it's professionally fitted um and set up properly is highly important with CPAP otherwise you will find yourself feeling a little bit suffocated sure I've always liked the the variable automatic machines over the preset pressure machines because they will adjust yeah uh, and though these are generally people with sleep apnea I mean it is common in bodybuilding but obviously it's really more common in obese people and they tend to be quite static in where they are uh so in the sense of their weight and their size, I mean, they may grow, they may get fatter, but it's a slow process. Yeah. Whereas bodybuilders can yo-yo with weight and size quite dramatically. And as a result, the pressure settings need to adapt with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously something that's got an automatic pressure uh, is much, much versatile and therefore much better for a bodybuilder than something that's got a fixed static pressure. Yeah, mine's programmed, so it starts out at, at a lower number and through the evening it builds. And I found that when I'm lighter, um, I'll wake up in the middle of the night just getting blasted by that air. And it, it's, it's more than I need, you know? Yeah, bloody hair dry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like but in yeah, order to... So to really understand this, I feel like you have to be able to put your mind into the position of somebody who is that size, Dave. I feel like to be to be the size you were, like that's that like I I feel like a lot of times people would have a hard time even understanding that. And mm. I've been putting a lot of thought into it lately. Actually, I have I want to I want to show you the way that I've been thinking about this because my goal is to grow. 
to get as big as I can. So I've been like trying to put myself into like the, the mind of Dave Crossland. Give me just a minute. I'll be I'll be right oh, back. God. I have something I want to show uh, you. I'm going to apologize to everybody watching now because this is no doubt just going to be absolutely fucking, fucking horrendous. Uh, okay. I'm waiting. Still waiting. We're getting old here. This is probably. I hope he's editing this out when he does it because this was. This is going to be the shittiest part of the podcast ever. Scott decides to go for a walk halfway through. I dread to think what he's fucking doing. I was warned he had a surprise for me this week, and then he said he didn't, which is obviously a lie because he does. And. You're a cock end. You really are a first grade fucking cock, Womble. Uh. <laughs> chip, chip, cheerio, mate. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> do, mate. That, that's funny. I'll give you that. Uh, You're still an asshole, though. Oh, you wanker. Tally ho, you wankers. Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff. I'm oh, Dave Crossland, God. along with Dave Crossland. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Hi, Dave. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> I'm good, Dave. How are you, you bloody wanker? <laughs> I'm not bad, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Can I do the rest of the show like this? If you want. It doesn't look comfortable. It looks highly <laughs> I, painful. Listen, Dave, being 415 pounds is not comfortable. I'm working on a film. No, it's it's called Under Construction 3 right now. The Imitators. Here, I want to give you a little... A little... Uh, ah! What's, what's wrong with your legs, Scott? <laughs> well, I haven't trained them, as you see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just... I just do all upper there's, body. There's, there's two pieces of string hanging out from underneath that top. <laughs> I actually, uh, I think if I used Dave language, I ripped me cap when I put it on. Actually, it's oh, supposed you? to, yeah, uh, I, I ripped me cap. Uh, no, never mind. What do you think? You think I could pass for you? Yeah. In fact, I'm going to use you as a double. <laughs> I'm going to hire you as a double for shit I don't want to do. Like, uh, talk to people. <laughs> Let me see if I can... Uh, oh, you are just, that wasn't real muscle. I actually thought it was um, American football pads. Yeah, no. no we don't, we don't didn't realize it was toilet roll. But I could use this. I actually, in order to get my beard... I I you don't a, need that now. I'm not big anymore. I had to buy a five pack of beards in order to get that beard. It's actually a six pack of beards. Well, and you've got a beard for every occasion now because you can't grow one yourself. And they didn't have an actual goatee, so I just used a couple of rubber bands. Actually, this goatee looks better than yours. This is the long, luscious it, goatee you've always wanted. It is, and I'm jealous. Yes, I am. Uh, this has taken a lot of effort and is rather pathetic, to be honest. And I am I am now extremely jealous of your very manly Viking-esque beard. Uh, well, oh, well, no. Sorry. Your, your 
15-year-old girl stubble you've got now. <laughs> Wait, where were we? Uh, oh, yeah, we were I doing a podcast. I'm fucking, fucking lost now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I had a question. I'm just trying to get it back together, Scott. I had a question. Um, uh, this is from a client of mine. I wanted to get your advice. So 21 years old. Against my advice, he wanted to run trim. Now, at the end of the day, I'm not, I can't tell anybody what to do, Dave. You know what I'm saying? It's like I can no. give advice. I can tell people and I, I can talk to them until they're blue in the face. But if they want to do what they're going to do, then they're going to do it. So basically, the best this, you can do is try and keep safe. Yeah, and that's the case here. So he wanted to run Trem. He's running 300 milligrams of test per week, and he's running 50 milligrams of Tren every other day. He ran into all sorts of issues. He said that he was getting angry. He, he was like, I'm just not going to go out anymore because you know I'm just going to stay at home while I'm on this cycle because I'm getting pissed off all the time and emotional. So he quits the trend. I'm thinking, oh, thank God, because you really didn't need it anyway. It's a second cycle. Wasn't a good move. His diet isn't even really completely nailed down yet. And um, then he messages me a week later now and says, hey, I'm going to start the trend back up. I decided stop being a little bitch. You got to follow through with this. You just got to buck up. You got to do it. Can you help me here, please, on this? It's it's very easy to to be derogative um, of the situation. But that's not going to be useful. Um, I, I, I do see stuff like this. I know people that have done trend cycles and have become social recluses because they just can't cope being around people. Yeah. Um, what's this guy's goals? Is it is it a summer body? Is it is it competitive? Is it I want to be Mister Olympia? I mean, where are we with where he desires to be? He would like to just get into better shape. Then I would I would seriously try and explain the, the risk-reward ratio of what he's playing with. I mean, it's a low dose. It is a low dose. I mean, but he's obviously having quite a severe effect on him. Yeah. And it's just like your quality of life is going to be poor from what he's described. Um, his quality of life is going to be very poor in return for – not a huge amount of gain when he could just get similar from something else. Exactly. At that level of development, you know, you're going to grow on anything. You definitely don't want to be need to be messing with the daddy of them all, especially if it's giving such severe reactions to you. Uh, and you do see this, and you see this a lot. Um, I mean, I because of my current appearance and where I am health-wise now, I, I I see people that are very committed to the bodybuilding and the training and the lifestyle sort of almost lecturing me about, I really need to get my house in order. Mm. But I'm thinking, yeah, but you're fucking miserable because you live out of a Tupperware tub and you have no social life and you don't allow yourself to do anything. There is a balance. I may be a little bit far one way at the moment, but I'm also very aware of where I am. Yeah. Uh, and you've got a kid here that wants to be a little bit bigger, but doesn't seem to really be understanding the price he's paying for that. That's unnecessary. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's like, I mean, I was always a very 
plain eating bodybuilder so it was boiled chicken and rice it wasn't because i wanted to be ultra hardcore it was because i was lazy in preparation in doing it and i prepped so much food it was just difficult to put any variation but you know diet doesn't have to be like that diet can be quite creative and it can be quite enjoyable particularly off season sure uh, and um this is a similar situation but in drug relations you know, you don't have, he doesn't have to use trend to achieve his goals. Uh, and the total drug dosage, you know, just bumping up to 400 mega tests is probably going to give him at this point of development and training the, exactly the same results without all the head fuck. Absolutely. Uh, but it's, it's just not necessary. There are certain things you do not have to, you don't have to suffer just because, you know, there are workarounds, there are alternatives, particularly when that's where you are in your goal spectrum. I mean, if you were, you know, trying to get on a pro stage, then thing choices get a lot slimmer because there's certain things you just you have to do. But when you're talking about just a bit of improvement in physique, look good in a T-shirt, want to look good down the beach for summer, Jesus Christ, you don't have to put up with all this shit. Yeah. I mean, a, a prime example, I had a, a, somebody message me about fat burners. They're not wanting to get lean. They're on the bigger side, and they're just wanting to lean down a bit. Yeah. So why are you even talking about fat burners? Yeah, that's to help to you don't push need you it. that extra distance when you're doing everything else 100%, and you still need to go further, further. You know, to yeah. maybe meet a contest date or something. When, when, you're, when you're trying to re- reach body fat levels that are effectively unnatural. Yeah, yeah. Rather than just lean up a little bit. I mean, they're not even looking for, a, you know, a six-pack. Hmm. They're just looking for a bit more definition. So, yeah, we do sometimes stick with drugs because we feel they are necessary, and they're not. You know, the, there are often alternatives. Just take a step back and... Listen to people who have more knowledge. I mean, he's hired you as a coach because he obviously thinks you know what you're talking about, fool. Sure. But, uh, <laughs> but no, you know, so seriously, so listen. Take advice. What's the point in having an advice network if you're not going to exploit it? I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate you throwing that out there for my client. And we do have a bunch more stuff here. Um, what was this next one here? So, oh, we we did get a comment. This is a I can't, no, that fucking beard. Go on. This is a this is a fun comment we got uh, about using Essiclin. He said uh, used it for North America in 1996. Probably one of the last boxes left in the land. Work great. Won the short class NABA. I put it in my biceps and traps. I will say that it was not much fun carrying my bag and heavy trophy the following day through the airport. <laughs> I can't imagine it in traps. <laughs> oh, fuck. No. Ow. He said the pain was brutal. You are a brim, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, here's here's one that we, we get from time to time. Can you gain muscle while cutting if you're using HGH in high doses or does HGH need to be need to more of a calorie surplus to work? Right. 
we we must have discussed this more times than we discussed the toxicity of Trent on this show. H does not particularly grow muscle. It is a very effective fat burner. It is a very effective recovery agent, i.e. helps you recover quicker. Um, There are studies that show a mild increase in hyperplasia when it is first taken, but that is not sustained. And further studies have shown that it actually decreases performance. Um, Decreases? Yes, in athletes. Yeah, it's shown it decreases performance in athletes. Um. You can gain whilst in a cut to a point. But as your calories get tighter and your body fat percentage gets lower, that becomes more difficult to do unless you are particularly genetically gifted. Hmm. Um, But growth hormone will not have a huge impact on your muscle gain in a cut, but it will help your cut. It will make you appear fuller. You will have more water retention in the muscle, which you can mistake for muscle growth. I'm done. Your turn. I'd say that um, I got rid of my Dave beard. I'd say that um, another factor is depends on, on your overall level of experience. Like even removing the GH, we get the question, can you grow on a cut, period? And well, actually, it'd be question mark, but you know, just that. Um, I think that you can if you are less experienced. If you're a guy who's been training for years, let's say you're five seven at 230 pounds, um, you know, 12 percent body fat, the chance of you putting on 10 pounds of muscle while you cut is going to be a lot less than somebody who was, say, brand new to training, 150 pounds, hasn't eaten healthy food. I've taken people that have had zero diet and they've gained muscle over a longer term cut just simply because now they're eating five, six times a day and they're getting protein in that they weren't getting in before. So I think some of the factors depend on where you're coming from. Growth hormone would only help that, but I wouldn't say growth hormone is going to be a game changer for you like in the gaining muscle. Sean Tavernier was was a bit like that. Off season, he he, he didn't eat a lot. He, he he didn't really have the appetite, and he usually ended up being bigger at the end of his comp season than he did at the beginning because it was the only time he was consistent with his meals. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, that was a pro that that was reacting like that. Obviously, his genetics are phenomenal. Um. I mean, he's retired now. He's trying to lose muscle mass, and he can't do it for love of the money. He's still huge. Yeah, uh, yeah he's been taking up boxing and stuff, and he's like, I, I'm not dropping muscle. He says, well, there, there's your genetics, mate. Um, but, yeah, he his off-season was so diet-wise, was so unstructured that it was only when he started getting ready for shows and his diet became structured that he actually started to really gain. So he always grew into shows. But, yeah, for the, for the vast majority, like you say, um, the leaner you are, the more experienced you are, the more subtle the changes will be. Yeah. How about, um, so last week we talked about sub-Q testosterone. You said that you use that. It, we got a few questions regarding this. People wanted a little bit more explanation. The main thing we were saying was that it may not raise your hematocrit as much. But we got questions like this one from Natty Gaines saying, uh, I don't understand how you don't get giant bubbles 
under your skin? Well, the thing is, when you inject a fluid into a muscle, which is quite densely packed fiber, the inclusion of that fluid is more likely to cause a swelling because it's not absorbed immediately and it can collect and pocket, which basically creates a, a ball of fluid in the muscle, which then causes the swelling. And, and particularly if you're sensitive to the hormone, um, you can also get irritation at that site as well. Sure. When you go into sub-Q, you're sitting under the fat between the muscular wall of your ab and the fat, and there's a lot more. It, you've got to really think of it a bit like this. So this is me. Hang on. I'm going to have a fucking nightmare here. This is my ab wall, top of it, and this is my layer of fat sitting on it. And I'm going into this area in between. So the fluid can disperse really, really easily. If you hit it in the right spot. Yeah, because it's not getting tied up in a dense muscle fiber ball. Yeah. Um, and even if you leave it in the fat, there's much more cellular movement in fat. I mean, you can feel that by feeling it. It's just not as dense. So a fluid into fat is going to disperse much more easily than a fluid into muscle. Where a fluid into muscle you've got to fight through dense fibers and if you want a prime example of that inject your calves because you'll find how dense muscle fiber is and how much a ball of fluid hurts when it's in there nothing because um, your calves are some of the densest muscle in your body um so when you, you there's there's no there's nothing to hold the fluid in a ball there's nothing to restrict it so it just flows out in between the fat and the muscle yeah yeah, the key is hitting it in the right spot. I agree, and and you know what too, you're. I've seen guys using even like uh, insulin syringes for some of these shots. I've seen guys doing like multiple shots per week, breaking their TRT down. So I think volume is a factor in there. You know, you're not doing mm, definitely. You know, two CCs or something like that in there. It's it's going to be minimal. No, microdosing will will also lower like estrogen responses and and stuff like that to to injections as well. Um, I answer funny. I answered the question the other day. The guy was going to be taking eight cc or eight mil a week. Okay. And and was wondering if he could do it sub Q. And it's going to require a lot of lot of multiple site injections, but it, it, it is just about. I mean, you probably get away. You probably get away with 0.3 of a mil in every sub Q injection. So that's a lot of shots. So it, it's it's a ridiculous amount of shots, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it was three shots a day every day. Okay. But you, you don't just have to go into the stomach area. What you're doing is going in between the, the, the fat layer and the muscle. So you could technically you could do it on your leg or you could do it in your groin. You know, there are other areas you could put it if you wanted to. Yeah. We just traditionally use the, the stomach. All right. I'll keep it moving here because we do have a bunch more. Um, we had a question regarding – now, this is one I wasn't quite sure about, but I thought we could at least talk about it from our own perspectives. Uh, regarding T3, I've heard Broderick Chavez say that uh, talk about using it in a different way, not for cutting or fat loss, but during a hefty massing phase to alleviate the burden of the thyroid, like using insulin to give the pancreas a bit of a rest. The thyroid is pretty robust, and it is quite natural that thyroid hormone 
is fluctuating over the season of the year. Um, <clears throat> so it doesn't atrophy when you use exogenous hormones, which we said that on the last episode. Uh, mm -hmm. When you stop thyroid, you just need a bit of time uh, for it to sense the changes and then it starts production back up. In general, that isn't uh, 100% in general. I've, I've seen people screw the thyroid yeah. with T3. But yeah, we talked all about that, yeah. that last week. But So what about this, though, the idea of using it in an off-season mass-growing phase? This Broderick Chavez guy is looked at as a pretty bright dude, and I don't think he's considered to be reckless either. No, it, it's not the third. I have no personal experience of it, but I, I have heard it on more than one occasion mentioned. I've not seen anybody actually do it. Okay. And it, it's it, it's supposed to increase protein turnover and, yeah. and help with the whole protein absorption and nutrient absorption uh, and keep your metabolism at a slightly higher rate, which at the same time is going to help keep you lean while you gain mass. Um, the thing is with T3 and thyroid, T3 isn't a fat burner in the sense that it causes you to burn fat so much. It's a fat burner in the sense that it speeds up your whole metabolic rate. Sure. So having a high metabolism when in a bulking stage isn't particularly a bad thing as long as you can get enough calories in to remain in a calorie excess. Yeah. Where it would possibly be negative is if you struggle to eat. Yeah, I think it would be a very person-dependent thing and experience-dependent, too. It's not something I would necessarily consider out the gate. For, you know, part of, part of the information we give is tailored toward, you know, like we have to look at, like, who are we talking to? So I think that, that mm. part of the answer of is this a good idea may come down to, like, how experienced are you? You know what, in, in, in how does your body work? I don't know if everybody would necessarily need to do this. The science behind it is effectively sound. Whether it's necessary is a whole different conversation. Hmm. And I'm not sure it is. It's in the same way when you see people looking at insulin in bulking phases. Now, I'm a big fan of managing insulin sensitivity when you're in a bulking phase. Yeah. So I like a little bit of a pre-keto cut before a bulking phase, get you nice and insulin sensitive, and I like to use GDAs quite heavily in a bulking phase to keep that sensitivity up, which means we're going to keep nutritional partitioning up and everything else. Um, now, you can – the counter to that is, well, I'll just use insulin. But I don't think it's, one, necessary for a lot of people – and I don't think it's that beneficial. And most people will generally run it a little bit incorrectly anyway and cause more problems than they're solving. But for most people, with what most people want to achieve, managing your own insulin sensitivity is going to be enough. You know, it's, it's like that we've said earlier on about with, with fat loss. Sometimes... It's not that these drugs don't do what they're supposed to do. It's not that they won't do that mechanism. It's that question of, is it necessary? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is a case of that. Having said, yes, he's correct. The thyroid, as we discussed last week, the thyroid is particularly robust, but not for everyone. And you may be that one person that it isn't, and you don't know about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I found in my experience people 
it, it, you know what? If you're if you have a family history, then you may be more at risk. Like I said, the one guy I knew who did have issues bouncing back, his mom had Hashimoto's. He hadn't been diagnosed with anything, but you know, but but for the mm. most case, yeah, I think you like we talked about last week. You will bounce back, but I agree. I don't know if this is the jump to that I would do for everyone. No, um, but if he does do it, please come back to us as to how he felt it, how he felt it progressed. Did he feel any benefit? But I'd be interested to know because I've not actually spoke to anyone or had feedback from anyone that's actually run it. Yes. All right. Um, I know we had a couple more here. We also have some in the feed. Let's see if we tackle those really quick. Um, hold on just a minute, Dave. I know, Dave, I'm not professional enough here for you, but I'm doing my best. It's, all, it's okay, Dave. Mini Dave. You can be mini Dave. Mini Dave. Let's see here. You do realize this is now going to be a, a regular requirement, though, Scott, don't you? The beard? Yes. <clears throat> is it itchy? You know what happens is it ends up getting into my real beard, and now that I have all these freaking hairs... Because I tried it on, I got. I actually ordered this. I paid two dollars extra for it to show up last night. Otherwise, I wouldn't <laughs> be able to have it for the day. Is this the surprise that you were talking about with Nick, who came to see me in the week? It is. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to make a Dave I mean, cross, Crossland costume. I, I am impressed. I, I am genuinely impressed. All right, we got a question here from Colleen. She says, "What would the real?" Uh, world differences be of injecting 100 milligrams of Primo once per week as opposed to injecting 20 milligrams five times a week aside from having to pin so much? You will have ever so slightly higher stable levels. Yeah. That That's a, your effective dosing would, ever, would be ever so slightly higher. Okay. Your peak in the single shot would be greater but your plateau or your average would be ever so slightly higher um, in the every day. However, because of the dose being relatively low, I would, she's talking about your beard as well, not mine. Um, I, I would suspect that actually the single shot is gonna be better for, for muscle growth because you're going to spend longer in a highly elevated state than you would do with the, the microdose. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does I, that make sense? I don't know. I wasn't listening to you. I don't, I never no, listened you never to you. Do. I just wait for no, you to no. stop talking. Okay. Oh, I think I really hurt his feelings. Did I hurt your feelings, Dave? No, it's fine. Dave. No, it's fine. Fuck. No, it's fine, Scott. You swore. Stop making me feel bad. You Dave. swore. You're mean to me all the time. You swore. <laughs> Dave Kellick just tuned in. He likes the beard. Okay. Um, I, I will tell you this, that I think you get less side effects mm -hmm. from more frequent shots in my own experience. Mm -hmm. I did that you with do? Trend. Uh, 50 every other day on trend, more side effects for me than 25 every day. There was just, and the reason is because you, 
Yeah, you're not getting that peak though as well. So you're not pushing those blood levels high. Yeah. So less size because what you're effectively doing is when you do a large shot, we have this wolf and back down. Yeah. And then it starts to level off and even. When you do more frequent shots, we have this. Yes. So because we're not jumping to that huge elephant, you don't start to trigger all these responses as you would do. The the the, the flip of that is you also don't trigger the high anabolic building that you're going to get from that peak dose. Yeah, yeah. How much difference that makes out in actual real-world reality, I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the trend worked just as fine for me, you know, with less sides. So. Yeah, I think with something that's as impacting this trend for size, it probably would because you're going to train harder, you're going to eat better, you're not going to have appetite issues, you're not going to have sleep issues and all the rest of that. Yeah. Primo's that fucking mild that God knows how much difference it makes to actual real-world muscle tissue. I genuinely don't know. True. So before we close out, do you have any uh, English lessons for us, Dave? We haven't had an English lesson in a long time. We had somebody who actually, we still get messages to this day. Somebody recently told me that whilst is a word. Yeah, it is. Whilst. Yeah. Or whilst. Do do you remember a while ago? Do you remember a while ago when we had that discussion? You told me it wasn't a word in the same way as you take the fun out of me and my accent and how I pronounce words. Even right, hang on, yeah, no, let's not do English words, let's do the Americans' inability to say words like what? How do you say aluminium? Aluminium, like anybody else? No, you don't, you say aluminum. I mean, I'm joking, yeah, aluminum, like anybody else, aluminium, like any red blooded American would, aluminum. Who invented the language? It's called American for a reason, it's called English. That's what we speak in America. Okay. Caramel. 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 Yeah, that's not how you say it. Caramel. Caramel. Oh, caramel. I want a caramel sundae. Okay. And what's a hood on a car? A hood? If it was a hood, surely it would go over the top of the car. It's a bonnet. That's actually my Mini. It's called the bonnet on my Mini Cooper. Yeah. Because it, it's an English car. Yeah. And it's got proper names for things. Bonnet. Like boot. The boot, yeah. Not yeah. trunk. Not trunk. Because that's all you can fit in it is a boot. Like one. Singular. Well, yeah, it's not exactly. Well, that's because you bought a girl's car, you big fanny. <laughs> I wonder how everybody else says. I bet who sides with me out there? Who says aluminium and who says aluminum? This is this, this this is just going to be Americans versus English, isn't it? <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Also, I think you guys should let us know what your personal favorite cycle is. I would be interested to hear what everybody's take was. You know, after your own experience, because another part of cycling is figuring out what works for you. You know, Dave mm-hmm. likes Deca. I like EQ. You know, we found mm-hmm. things that worked for us. We ran with them, and and you know, there's reasons for that. Those things worked good for our bodies. And that's why this is all individual. So I'd be interested to hear, you know, what what worked. Definitely. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Guys, you can go over to crosslands.org.uk. You can reach out to Dave over there. Uh, You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. All that stuff is down in the show notes. And, of course, 
support our awesome sponsor. It's really a U.S.-based thing. You can't ship True Nutrition International. They just do U.S., but you can get some awesome highly branched cyclic dextrins. You can get your EAAs, great proteins, and a bunch more. TrueNutrition.com. Use our code ADVICES. David Stanley Crossland. Chip, chip, cheerio, my friend. Goodbye, Scott. Oh,